0: Welcome to Inside USF, the podcast. I'm Tom Wolf with University Communications and Marketing. We recently marked two years since COVID-19 swept across our region, state, nation, and the world. Joining me to discuss where we stand today is Donna Peterson, Senior Associate Vice President of USF Health and Dean of the College of Public Health. Throughout the pandemic, she has served as chair of USF's COVID-19 Task Force. Donna, welcome.
1: Thank you, Tom, pleasure to see you.
0: Let's start with the broader picture. There have been references nationally to entering a new phase of the pandemic. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recently issued new guidance for wearing face masks. Wonder if you might share your perspectives on where we're at generally with COVID-19 and talk about the CDC's new guidelines
1: Thank you, sure. It's interesting to note that we are two weeks from the two-year anniversary of when we shut down the university, Uh, I'm sure you you remember that, and um, we we actively engaged a task force to try to understand the situation, access the best information we could get from colleagues around the world, gather uh, any data that we could get our hands on to try to understand what this virus was, what it meant, and also looking back to history, because as a human species, we have faced uh, plagues and pandemics um, probably before recorded history, but certainly uh, from what we know, I think beginning with the, what was known as the plague of Athens, um, this is something we have coped with. And I think the important thing for everyone to, to, uh, to understand is that we do get through these. So even though this one seems uh, to be uh, uh, and, and interminable plague on our, on our lives, we will get through this. So we are at an interesting phase now in, the, in this pandemic. We've been through d- several waves. We've been through different versions of the virus, which have contributed to those waves. We have amassed an enormous amount of knowledge and information about the virus, about its behavior. And as I often say, we've learned a lot about our own behavior in response to a threat like, like this, and by a threat like this I mean something that seemingly comes out of nowhere, uh, is not easily understood, and for those of us in public health who seek to understand uh, martial facts and then share that information with the public as quickly as we can, when you're dealing with a situation that's evolving, that means our communication evolves. And that itself leads to confusion. because. Well, it
0: also, from the earliest days, was referred to as a novel virus, meaning new.
1: Right, exactly. So we've been kind of trying to keep up with it, trying to share what we knew in real time, trying to guide people in real time, but that's been a challenge. So where we are now, I think uh, what looks like some positive news is uh, the Omicron uh, wave seems to be on the wane. Uh, Numbers are consistently declining. Uh, numbers of new cases are declining. The transmission rate is, is, is going down. Uh, the numbers of people becoming very sick uh, is going down. The number of hospitalizations is going down. Um, we also have many more tools at our disposal now. So we have uh, a vaccine that is effective. We have uh, a variety of vaccines that are effective. And uh, we now have some treatments that are effective as well. So we feel much better uh, prepared to deal with this. Should there be a new version of the virus emerge? And we haven't counted that out because this virus has lots of tricks up its sleeve. Um, we hope we will be, well, we don't hope, we know we will be much better prepared. Uh, but like all the variants and all of our experience, it'll take us a while. If there is a new variant, it'll take us a while to, to, to understand it. But right now we're feeling um, like we can breathe. Uh, the numbers are looking good. And hopefully we can start
0: putting this behind us. What do you think about the CDC's new guidelines when it comes to masking?
1: So I think the CDC, uh, again, as I said, this one's been difficult to manage, Mm -hmm. difficult to communicate. But I think what they're trying to do is two things. They're, they're, They're trying to strike a balance between how we come together collectively to protect ourselves against something like this, because that's what it demands. It is a transmissible disease, which means we need to do what we can to stop transmission. That means everybody has to contribute to... Those efforts to stop the transmission. So they're trying to balance that against the reality on the ground that um, individuals uh, don't like to be told what to do necessarily, or uh, they certainly don't like to be restricted and certainly not for long periods of time. And we all know that the impact on our economy has been, has been uh, immense and, and intense. So they're trying to strike that balance. They're also uh, trying to shift the emphasis from new cases to the outcome of those cases. So what what I mean by that is we were all, we were focused early on with case transmission rates, incidence rates, new cases, test positivity, you know, all those things because we were really trying to prevent the transmission of, of the disease. Now as I said, we have vaccines, we have we have other tools. What they're trying to do now is 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 reduce the numbers of people who become severely ill, become hospitalized, create stresses on the healthcare institutions and our, our providers. So what they've done is essentially come up with a, with a risk scoring system by community. So they're looking at the numbers of new cases and the numbers of hospitalizations. I think there's one other factor. Um, but that, and then they, are, they will designate a community as either low risk, medium risk, or high risk. And by doing that, which is kind of how I think at uh, the, the local level around the country, that's kind of how we've been approaching this. So if you're an area where you've had low numbers of cases, you have been uh, more comfortable relaxing all of the mitigation uh, uh, programs we put in place. If you are a, a community at high risk, meaning you still have a high level of transmission, people are becoming ill, they're being hospitalized, then you would want to continue all of the measures that we know help prevent the transmission of the disease so that's what they're trying to do I think many of us are hoping they will continue to refine that um, for instance it might be nice to know what the level what how, how many people have gotten the vaccine and boosters in that community that would be an important uh, part of that of that of that calculus um, but you know that's what they'll do in, in time they are now producing maps by county which i think is much more helpful than maps by state because this is uh, something that happens at the community level and where people uh, attend to.
0: And I suspect it's much like keeping an eye on the weather forecast. We do that every day. And so if you're concerned, you probably want to be looking at the CDC website on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, that's a great uh, comparison. You know, you're planning a weekend outing. You look at the beginning of the week and and if it looks good, you hope it stays that way, but you keep watching, and if it looks bad, you keep watching to to see if it might might improve. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. This situation is still, uh, this virus is still very active in our communities all all across the country, and we do need to continue to pay attention to it and then uh, engage in the necessary behaviors to try to keep it at
0: bay. Let's talk a little bit more locally. What are your thoughts about where we stand in the Tampa Bay region now? Is the situation continuing to improve? And, and what factors do you keep an eye on?
1: So we monitor uh, weekly um, the number of new cases, the rate of case increase, the test positivity rate, the reproductive rate, the number of people hospitalized, the number of people in the ICU.
0: That's a lot of surveillance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we look uh, within the co- multi-county region that the University of South Florida uh, sits within. We have, uh, we have a footprint in four counties, and we draw employees from at least six. And, of course, we draw students from all over the world. So we look at that, that multi-county region. We look at what's going on in the state, the nation, and the world. Thankfully, we have many talented people at the university who do this for us and produce beautiful, very clearly uh, understood graphics and and share maps and, and, and all of that. So the good news is that for many weeks now, as we've been watching Omicron numbers, they have continually come down. And the new case rate has come down. The test positivity rate is now almost at that magical 5%. You might remember early on we set 5% as sort of the break point where we might relax um, what we advise people. Over 5% was cause for concern. Omicron has, has been at a very high test positivity rate, but that's also um, perhaps an artificial indicator because so many people are now uh, have access to home test kits, so then those data don't get reported. Um, so those are the things we track, and as I said, um, for nine, eight, nine weeks, uh, all of those indicators have been moving in the right direction. Uh, very, very, uh, very, very uh, hopeful. We are, we are optimistic, and we kind of set our own um, uh, forecast targets. So we were looking um, at spring break, and we said, Wow, if we could, if we could get to spring break we'd feel great. And we're almost there and we are feeling we are feeling great. It's not gone. It's still here. It is still in our community. It is still infecting people. And for some people who uh, have not been vaccinated or who have other underlying conditions, people are still getting very, very ill and being hospitalized. So um, it's, not, uh, it's not time for the big party, but uh, we are certainly very optimistic that these trends are incredibly, incredibly positive.
0: Here at USF, are we in a new phase? What should our listeners know about the current COVID-19 guidelines for masking and other mitigation measures such as vaccination? So we
1: made a decision um, last fall to... Encourage strongly encourage people to get the vaccine and the booster. We've made them available through student health services, through the USF Health Clinics. We continue to offer testing and encourage people to be tested if they develop any symptoms. We encourage them to, well, get tested, but then please stay home if you've developed symptoms. All of our faculty and staff have been uh, very um, open, very flexible, they are working to accommodate our students as, as best as they can because if someone's not feeling well, uh, we really would prefer that they stay home and take care of themselves, number one, but also not run the risk of making other people uh, sick. So we continue to recommend all of that. We continue to recommend hand washing. Hand is a good habit all the time. Actually staying home when you don't feel well is a good habit all the time. And as, regard, uh, as regarding the wearing of masks, we have said since last fall that we expect people to wear masks on our, on our campus. Um, that's a strong statement, but it allows for people to make that choice. Um, And if people uh, choose to wear the mask, that's fine. If they choose not to wear the mask, that's fine. Uh, We hope everyone is aware of the risk uh, to themselves and to others around them. And again, uh, really urging everyone to wash their hands, stay home when they don't feel well, uh, get the vaccine and be tested. All of those things help us keep our case numbers low and we've been very very pleased and proud of our entire community that throughout the pandemic we've had some of the lowest case numbers of any university in the state and I'm told perhaps even around the country
0: is COVID-19 always going to be with us uh, like the flu
1: yeah, you know, I think people are using that analogy that, you know, we're accustomed to the typical influenza season. We know what that means. Uh, there's a new vaccine every year that people are urged to uh, to obtain. We know that 30 to 60,000 people die every year from influenza. Um, and so people have said, well, we're used to that. Maybe we just need to get used to COVID uh, as well. I think that's probably true. Uh, some people are concerned that without uh, continued surveillance and continued communications, if we experience a surge in cases, the the mortality rate is much higher. Um, And so I think these are some conversations that we're going to continue to have as a society, as leaders in the health field, as uh, community leaders, just to make sure everyone understands um, the cost of, not doing something, the cost of doing something. I think we now appreciate there's costs on, on both sides. And I don't just mean dollars, there are many currencies. Um, and so there, there, have been, there have been costs. Um, so I, I heard someone say the other day, you know, we hope it is in the rearview mirror, but that doesn't mean it's not still on the highway. So <laughs> we'd like to think we can stay ahead of it, but most of us don't believe it's going
0: to go away. From a public health perspective, what lessons have been learned over the past two years?
1: Well, some things we always knew, and they were reinforced, and other things I think we, we learned were shortcomings uh, within our approaches and within the systems that we have. The, the things that we've always known, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, that the public health is what we do collectively as societies to create conditions in which each of us can enjoy the greatest state of health that's always been a challenge because we don't all agree on what those conditions should be could be Um, and we don't you know when when I ask I often ask people uh, when I'm speaking to different groups you know I, I ask if they would rather be healthy or not and they all laugh because of course everyone wants to be healthy where the where the challenge comes in is what what does that mean and what would it require of all of us to make sure each of us can enjoy that, enjoy, enjoy that state of health. So that, uh, that didn't change. I think we saw it in stark relief here, when you say we need a collective response, we need everyone to come together, um, that was very, very, that was very, very hard. I think a couple of things we learned that we don't do well enough is communicate effectively. As I said, this was hard because we were learning in real time and trying to share information transparently and, and, and honestly in real time, but that means that it changes. And we, we know we need to do more. I think we are enlisting um, more sophisticated communications professionals than maybe we did in the past, say it's, it's not enough to have the data and have the science and, and want to get it out to people. There are ways you can do that that will be more effective. Communication is not only about what is, what is put out, but what is received. And I think we've, we've learned that that's something we need to absolutely improve. I think the other thing we've learned is how important it is that we bring our systems together and work in cohesive ways. And I think when that worked well, we saw it, and we were it was great. When it didn't work well, um, you saw that too. And, and part of that became very challenging when our hospitals were reaching uh, you know, that point where they don't have capacity. And we had people being, you know, brought to hospitals and turned away. We had people afraid to seek care for other conditions. Um, you know, that system, I don't think was managed as, as well as as it could have been. And and I think we all know it's, it's preferable, obviously, to prevent disease, but it's also preferable to take care of it as close to home as you can. So, you know, we really... <laughs> That's something that I think we, we're, we are going to need to work on. But I think the experience we had coming together in this community with the, the county, um, the state health department offices in this region, the hospitals, us uh, in, the, in the university, all across not only across all of the USF health colleges, but expertise from across the university, we all came together. And said, how do, we, how do we do this? And people shared information freely. They shared their observations freely. And that made a difference in this community, for sure.
0: To stay current with the university's guidelines, visit usf.edu coronavirus. Donna, thanks much for your leadership and for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Thanks to all of you for listening. We welcome your ideas for future episodes. Please visit myUSF or directly at usf.edu insideUSF to share your suggestions. Special thanks to our production team at WUSF Public Media. Our theme music, a song called Black Bucket Stomp, is courtesy of Jack Wilkins, director of jazz studies in our School of Music, and comes from his CD, The Blue and Green Project on Summit Records. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on MyUSF or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Copyright 2022, the University of South Florida.